A reading from the first letter of John. No need, brothers, to be surprised if the world hates you. That we have passed from death to life, we know, because we love the brothers. The man who does not love is among the living dead. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that eternal life abides in no murderer's heart. The way we came to understand love was that he laid down his life for us. We too must lay down our lives for our brothers. I ask you, how can God's love survive in a man who has enough of this world's goods, yet closes his heart to his brother when he sees him in need? Little children, let us love in deed and in truth, and not merely talk about it. The word of the Lord. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. I believed, even when I said, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, no man is dependable. How shall I make a return to the Lord for all the good he has done for me? The cup of salvation I will take up, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your handmaid. You have loosed my bonds. To you will I offer sacrifice of thanksgiving, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. Dominus Fobiscum. Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Ioannem. Jesus said to his disciples, This is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. There is no greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. 
You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer speak of you as slaves, for a slave does not know what his master is about. Instead, I call you friends, since I have made known to you all that I heard from my father. It was not you who chose me, it was I who chose you to go forth and bear fruit. Your fruit must endure so that all you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. The command I give you is this, that you love one another. Verbum Domini. There is no greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. St. Maximilian Kolbe was given the grace and the courage to put our Lord's words that we heard in the gospel today into practice in the concentration camp of Auschwitz on August 14th in 1941. This Franciscan friar offered to take the place of a fellow prisoner sentenced to die in the starvation bunker which later would prompt and inspire Pope John Paul II to declare him a martyr of charity when he canonized him in October of 1982. I just wanna mention in this uh, sermon, this homily, a few things about St. Maximilian's zeal for evangelization, that he wanted to draw the entire world to Christ and to heaven, and in what fueled his zeal, which was ultimately his devotion to Our Lady and to our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. It was on October 16th in 1917, so just three days after the famous miracle of the sun and Our Lady's appearance to the three shepherd children in Fatima that the seminarian at the time, Brother Maximilian, had founded the Militia of the Immaculata. He founded this in Rome with a few other seminarians. And he desired that the members of this new group, this new movement, which is now worldwide, that they would work for the evangelization through the Immaculata, that is through Our Lady, for the, all the souls of the entire world to the end of time. And his inspiration began with this group, and it was influenced mainly by his observation of hatred directed toward the church. And he saw this particularly by the Freemasons. And then members of this newly formed militia dedicated to Our Lady were referred to as the Knights of the Immaculata because in addition to consecrating themselves to the Blessed Virgin Mary, their mission was to conquer through love all hearts, ultimately leading them to Jesus. And St. Maximilian Kolbe's zeal for evangelization did not diminish after his ordination to the priesthood and his doctoral studies in Rome. He then returned to Poland and he was assigned to be a seminary professor. But during that time, he continued his work with the militia of the Immaculata. And he soon started a publication known as the Knight of the Immaculata. He did not hesitate to use the means of modern communication, modern technology, to spread the Catholic faith and the gospel. But he was very well aware of how the devil was influencing the press and the media. But rather than just say, okay, the devil's in that area, we're not gonna have anything to do with it. He said, no, we need to be more involved with technology to proclaim the gospel, to give glory to God. It's inspiring as well to see his trust in God's providence and his trust in Our Lady's intercession. 
as we know, based also on the history of this network, um, that oftentimes there's, I think there's times that the Lord allows us to grow in our trust. We certainly see that in the life of Mother Angelica, um, when there are many times that she didn't, didn't seem like it was humanly possible for her to continue with the cost, the raising costs of everything. And sometimes it was last minute um, movements from God, right, that, that provided in the last moment. Well, similar with St. Maximilian Colby. On one occasion when he had, he did not have the money to pay his bills because he had a printing press and he was trying to spread the gospel devotion to Our Lady as well throughout the entire world, he didn't have the money. And so immediately dropped on his knees and he was praying, asking Our Lady's intercession to provide. And as he was praying, he noticed there was a sealed envelope at the feet of a statue of Our Lady. He opened it and it was the exact amount he needed to pay the bills right then and there. He saw the power of Our Lady's intercession. But again, he used everything he could to preach the Holy Gospel. Um, he was also very quick on his feet. Um, once a prelate had asked him who had come to see the printing press as he was going and, and many copies were being processed, and the prelate asked him, what would St. Francis say about you and the friars using all this very expensive equipment? Again, how friars are usually known for their life of poverty. Well, St. Maximilian said St. Francis would roll up his sleeves. He would start the machine at top speed and go to work, taking up this modern way of spreading the glory of God and his Immaculate Mother. And he knew the zeal that St. Francis also had for the salvation of souls. And it wasn't a means of luxury, you know, to build up his own self. He was using whatever he could to preach the Holy Gospel. Any means, including radio, television, and film. And so St. Maximian even installed a radio station transmitter at the new friary, which he had established, which was called Neapokalanov, or the City of the Immaculate. And he simply wanted everyone to know about the Lord and his mother, because his mother always leads us to her son. Colby would eventually make his way to Japan with six other friars and established a new friary there. And as you might imagine, he also established a printing press there. And he went not knowing the language, but he had a great trust in God's providence, learned the language to do, to do all he can to proclaim the gospel. And he'd spend again about six years there and produced much fruit with the help of God's grace. And he would return to Poland for good in 1936, and he continued his Franciscan way of life and the apostolate at this friary, which at the time was the largest friary in the world. And then he would be arrested on two different occasions, and the second time being sent ultimately to Auschwitz, where he would lay down his life in martyrdom, giving us that greatest witness to God's love. But while he was in Auschwitz, and we don't hear often about this, there were certainly eyewitnesses. We know there were some prisoners who survived, right, the concentration camps. And one eyewitness who was with St. Maximilian in Auschwitz commented on the joy that was present in St. Maximilian's life in the midst of the torment and suffering in that concentration camp. And when asked what was the source, how could he be so joyful in the midst of such suffering, the eyewitness stated that Father Maximilian said that what, what helped him was the Immaculata and the Sacred Heart of Jesus in the Most Blessed Sacrament. That's what gave him joy. Devotion to Our Lady and devotion to our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. Further, that eyewitness stated that Father Maximilian drew us all closer to God 
He was like a magnet that drew us to God and to the mother of God. And he wanted to convert the whole camp. He prayed unceasingly for sinners and for his enemies. And when he could, he gave his ration of food away to other men who were hungry and took on the most difficult task in place of others. So again, we see that according to St. Maximian Kolbe, his strength, his energy were found from our Lord and our Lady. St. Maximian was firmly convinced that if one were to grow in love and devotion to Mary and seek to imitate her, there would correspondingly be a greater love and knowledge of her son, Christ, Christ Jesus. Colby once noted in a conference he had given that the devil, by all means, tries to distance us from devotion to Our Lady. He said he will suggest other devotions as long as not to her, because he'll manage more easily. This is something that really made me think when I first read this, that there are many good devotions that are available to us in the church, to particular saints in that. Um, but often, as St. Maximilian said, the devil even encouraged that so long as our devotion to Mary decreases or we don't think of her, he'll be for us like going and, and doing all these devotions, again, which are good in themselves. But remember, and the reason St. Maximilian Colby would get to this because he knew, he know, the devil knows how powerful Our Lady's intercession is. And what is the root of that? It's her, her profound union with the Holy Spirit, right? From the first moment of her existence, when she was conceived in the womb of her mother, St. Anne, she was united with the Holy Spirit. She was always united with the Holy Spirit, was never separated from him, and she never will be separated from him. There's a profound union there. But also we know that all in God's providence, in God's design, he chose to come to us through her. He chose to give us grace through her. She's the vessel that God chose. She is not the source of grace, right? We know from St. John's Gospel um, that grace and truth come from Jesus Christ, right? God is the source of all grace, but he chose one of his creatures, the Blessed Virgin Mary, to be the channel by which we receive grace. And this is why the devil does not want us <laughs> to go to her, because all graces come to us through her. And there's two helpful images um, that I found in the church has made use of these images that have been given to us by St. Bernard of Clairvaux and St. Bernardine of Siena. And they speak of Our Lady as both an aqueduct and, an, and use the image of a neck. And the aqueduct, we know, is like a bridge that carries water. It's a vessel by which water, it's not the source of the water, it's the vessel by which the water goes to its destination. Similarly, that's with Our Lady. She's not the source, she's the vessel that God uses. And we can also look at the image of a neck, right? Christ is the head of the church. We are the body. We can see Our Lady as the neck, which connects the head to the body that God chose again and chooses to this day to give us grace through her intercession. So St. Maximian was firmly convinced of this, and that's why he was so devoted to Our Lady and always asked for her intercession to draw us closer to her son and for the graces that God wants to give us. And just some finally, uh, in conclusion, some words about St. Maximilian's devotion to the Holy Eucharist. He would say that Holy Communion is nourishment and that one single Holy Communion is enough to make one holy. And his big thing, his big teaching here is it all depends on the dispositions of our hearts, on our souls, when we receive Holy Communion. And so one might think that that's pretty that might be overly pious for him to say that one Holy Communion can make you holy, one Holy Communion can make you a saint. But if you really think about it, 
what happens when we receive Holy Communion, when you come up to receive communion, you're receiving the source of all holiness. You're coming into contact, physical contact, with the source of all holiness, with our God. And we can think of many instances in the Gospels where people were converted, when they were healed by that contact, that physical contact with the Lord. Right? Or we can think of that one woman who said she knew in her heart, she's inspired, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And it's been noted, how many people do you think had physical contact with the Lord that they maybe bumped into him in the midst of the crowd? But the faith, the inner disposition of that woman, her faith is what healed her when she came in contact with the Lord's garment. And we receive the Lord's body and blood, uh, soul and divinity in Holy Communion. So it's a great encouragement that St. Maximin gives us. At each Mass, there's this potential, right, uh, that God wants to make us holy. And so we pray that our hearts are disposed with great faith. St. Maximian, in addition to speaking on the effects of Holy Communion, would also speak about the effects of Eucharistic adoration. Um, he is very convinced about that power as well. And one of the friars who had lived with him said of him that often during the course of the day, St. Maximian visited Jesus in the tabernacle. He said that our strength was there and that there was the source of our sanctification. Another friar would note, and this is encouraging for us, especially if you're, we're often um, weighed down by the busyness of our schedule, that he said St. Maximian didn't have a lot of free time because he was very involved in his priestly ministry, his priestly duties, he was teaching. He also had a lot of editorial work with the, with the printing of the, the magazine, the publication. But he said, rather than spending huge chunks of time, hours upon hours in the midst of the day in adoration, he said he would come often for short, quick visits throughout the day. He would often come to visit the Lord, spend time with him in the Blessed Sacrament. And that's helpful for us. And when giving tours, he was known, and especially back in Poland at the friary, he was known as he was going by to point to the, the friars in adoration, saying, here in this chapel is the most important work department of the friary. Right? This is where most of the work gets done, where the graces come to, for the, the work that's done that's, that becomes fruitful. This is the most work, important work department. And he would describe perpetual Eucharistic adoration as prayer flowing uninterruptedly throughout the day. And he called it the greatest power in the universe, capable of transforming us and changing the face of the world. So we ask St. Maximian Colby to pray for each of us today that we might have that same zeal to lead others to Christ and to heaven that he had and that we might be nourished and strengthened by our continued devotion to our Lord in the Holy Eucharist and to Our Lady.